going to take a little bit of time, not that my sermon will, will be any longer than normal, but just at the beginning to lay a foundation. And then I'm going to do something you're taught not to do in hermeneutics class, and that is preach uh, because of something that's happened necessarily. You know, I'm going I'm to reference a Facebook post, not of anybody here. You don't even know who I'm talking about. But about a week or so ago, Facebook post popped up on my, my feed, and it was just one of those things, and I'll explain it in a moment, it just grieved me, but it got my, my mind rolling. And you know what I like so much about the Word of God, and, and, and I have, this year, I've really tried to focus my, my mind and focus my study, and that is that verses just kind of spring to mind. That's why the Bible says that, that He'll let you remember the things that you've learned. He'll bring to memory those things that you've learned. And so I'm reading this Facebook post, and instantly verses are coming to mind. And I want to preach about this in a little bit. But we got to start here. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. And, and just lest you, you wonder, the Bible speaks of the truth as a treasure. We have the truth. I want you to understand that word, the truth. There is no gray. There is no maybe. There is an absolute truth. And while tonight I don't have time to go through every truth that's contained in the Word of God, the, the, the answer is very clear. This is the truth. If it's here, you can rest on it. You can stand on it. You can believe it. The truth you can Find. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that you would let your word come alive to us. Lord, let it be sharper than any two-edged sword and let it pierce, let it divide asunder into the darkest recesses of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our spirit, our body, we pray. And God, let your word speak as only it can and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you want to have a great study on your own, uh, you, you, you get into the book of Proverbs, you get into the book of Ecclesiastes. Both of those were written predominantly by, by Solomon, what we consider one of the greatest, wisest men to ever walk the face of this earth. The problem was, is later on in Solomon's life, he became stupid. He married over 400 women, had a bunch of concubines, and that in and of itself is enough to make you stupid. But, but before all of that took place, he had prayed. God basically had told him in a dream, said, you can have anything you want. What do you want? Solomon said, more than riches, more than gold, more than acclaim, I want wisdom. I want to know the truth. And because of that, the Lord said, because you asked that thing, all these others will fall into place. Proverbs uh, is a, and, and I know I say this a lot, but part of my, my desire and aim as pastor is not only teach you the word of God for today, but teach you the word of God for, for something you can hold on to later on. And so I like to tell you why a book was written or give you some historical insight to that book so that you can learn. Proverbs is a, a diary, if you will. That's the best way I can describe it. Solomon, uh, his son perhaps was about to be born or maybe was born. And Solomon says, you know what? I want to leave my son something that he can take with him. Brother Graham did this uh, a couple years ago for 
his children, they were graduating from high school, and so Brother Graham sat down and wrote a, a year devotional of things he wanted his children to, to understand, and then after he gave it to them later on, they published it, and you can buy that devotional by Brother Graham there at the sanctuary in Hazelwood, Missouri. But he, he said, I want to leave something for my children, and this is, uh, uh, Proverbs is Solomon's way of doing that. I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version just because it's faster to understand and I don't have time to delve into it. But Proverbs chapter 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight, if you raise your voice in understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures, we're talking about the truth, we're talking about wisdom. If you, if you search, if you seek, if you call, if you reach, he says in verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. He goes on to say in Proverbs chapter 4, when I was a son with my father tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, my father taught me and said to me, keep your, or rather let your heart hold fast to my words and keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom and insight. Don't forget, don't turn away from the words of my mouth. How many of you parents would like your kids to just do what you tell them to do? We got a God that's the same way. How many of you parents, and I'm putting all you kids on the spot, listen up. How many of you parents have told your children to do something, and I'm not saying it was a heaven or hell issue, or even that if they didn't do it, they were going to get in trouble, but you gave them some good advice. And at the end, they went their own way, but at the very end, they, they learned that if they would have done what you told them to do, everything would have been fine. Many of you remember Brother Travis Huddleston that used to attend this church now in Poplar Bluff? They've taken in several uh, foster kids and maybe even adopted some, but he right now, which is kind of hard to believe because he's basically my age, but he has an 18-year-old daughter or girl that they're, they're fostering, perhaps adopting, and he made the comment yesterday they were at the shoe store. He said, I'm sitting in the shoe store for over an hour until finally my daughter decides to pick out the shoe that I told her to pick out first only because some other lady said it looked nice. I, I feel his pain. But, but Solomon's father, and now Solomon is giving these same words to his son, and we're talking about wisdom. He said, don't forsake her. Don't give up on wisdom. Don't leave wisdom behind, and it will keep thee. Love her. Love wisdom, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She'll place on your head a graceful garland and bestow on you a beautiful crown. Talking about the truth. Wisdom. Job, uh, the book of Job is, a, is, is first off it's a narrative book and then it goes into discourses after Job had all these issues where Satan began to buffet him and his family and his home and his health and so you have this and then you have the discourse where Job's friends give him advice and if you're not careful it sounds like good advice because it's with these and thous and it sounds real theological and spiritual but it's not good advice. Got to make sure who's talking in Job. But Job... He's questioning this. He's wanting to know about God's wisdom. I mean, he's just heard his three friends in the book of Job give him counsel. But it's not the right counsel. And uh, in fact, some commentators will translate and say that, that they thought their words were pure gold. But Job comes to the conclusion that the counsel of his friends was nothing but tinsel and trash. Another one said they had knowledge, but they lacked wisdom. There is a great difference between knowledge and wisdom. 
I go back to my wife at Lindenwood College. She had to take a, a, a religious religion class. It was part of her prerequisites. And I go back when they were there, and, 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 and I remember vividly my wife telling me that she had a professor that looked at her and told in the class he had a Ph.D. in theology. Said God didn't want to get his hands dirty, so he sent down his son to come down to earth. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world, not because God was tired of us. And so Brienne began to quote John chapter 1, and at the end of all of that, this PhD in, in theology said, I've never heard that. How do you get a PhD and not know John chapter 1? It's because you can have knowledge but no wisdom. There's another verse in the Bible that says in the last days people are going to be ever learning but never come to the knowledge of the truth. They learn, they seek, and all of that. Well, Job in a poem, and that's about the best way to put it, it was a poem that, that he wrote that's inserted in the book of Job. Job chapter 28, he begins to say, and I'm not going to read it all, but Job says people know where to mine silver and how to refine gold. They know where to dig iron from the earth and how to smelt copper from the rock. They know how to shine the light in the darkness and explore the farthest regions of the earth as they search in the dark for ore. What Job began to say was he understood that, that, that there is a, a search for the truth. But the point of Job was we know how to find diamonds and we know how to find ore and we know how to mine and search, but wisdom is not found the same way you find a diamond in the ground. Wisdom, Charles Spurgeon said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know something is not to be thought wise, he said. Many men grow no, many men know a great deal, but are all the greater fools of it. There is no fool so great as a fool that's a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. All of that, when I use the word wisdom, that's talking about truth. Truth. Uh, there's a couple things. Let me give it to you. I'm just I'm laying the foundation, and then we'll we'll take it a step farther. Job takes us deep into the earth in Job chapter 28, and he 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 brings us to where they mine the gold and the iron and the copper and the precious stones, and, and all of that is there. But 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 he says to to us, you can't mine wisdom. You know how hard people work. To, to, to get rich, how hard they work to find material wealth. They'll tunnel through the hard rock. They'll risk their lives to do that. Why not more should we put forth the effort to understand the Word of God? That's what I love about the Word of God. The salvation is easy to understand. You don't have to scratch very deep to hear uh, uh, what, what salvation is. But the more you're in the presence of God, the more you delve into His Word, the more you understand it, then you can find it. Just because you're a success in other areas of your life may not mean you know His Word. How many athletes, because they can catch a football or hit a baseball out of the park, become a spokesman of something they know nothing of? Just because they that, that doesn't make you there. It drives me crazy when scientists talk about the things of God as if they know. It's not how it is. I'm going to tell you right now, an untrained, 
And if I can use this word, an untrained amateur theologian that in the middle of the night grabs your Bible in a little light and you begin to walk through it and underline it and highlight it and ask questions, someone that begins to study his word knows more than every great uh, scientist and great under, uh, those that try to understand. You can do it more with just a little pencil and the word of God. You can have wisdom if you'll search for it. Job says in verse 12, you can't buy wisdom. That's different from today. Today's society says everything's for sale. If you have enough money, you can do anything you want to do. You, you don't even have to you know, go to school and get a PhD and go through all of this to be an astronaut anymore. Used to an astronaut was the top of their class in knowledge and understanding. Now all you have to do is pay a couple hundred thousand dollars and we'll send you up into space. They think money can buy anything. Government agencies, we see this. It's the election now, the election, you know, kind of the, uh, uh, the, the last stages of it. Some, I think, 30, what is it, 39 days or something like that when we're going to vote. But you'll see it right now. We can do a better job fighting crime if you'll give me more money. We can do a better job ending pollution if you'll give us more money. We can provide more jobs if you'll give us a bigger budget. But I'm telling you today, money can't get the wisdom that's in this word. In fact, he ends it in Job chapter 28, verse 20, that wisdom only comes from God. God knows everything. God sees all. Everything that it's taken, however long you want to say mankind has been on the face of this earth. I don't know that anyone knows that answer quite yet. But however long mankind has existed, and the knowledge that we have now that can put a man on the moon and possibly on Mars in just a few decades, that we can do open heart surgery and we can transplant limbs and everything that man has been able to do is simply scratching the surface of what God knows and understands. You mean you want to get wisdom? Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. That was Job's description. Fear of the Lord is that reverence that we have for Him, for who He is, for what He says, and for what He does. It's not a paralyzing fear. It's not a scared fear. But it's a holy reverence that He is God and there's no one else like Him. I think it was in the songs we sung. If not, we've sung it here. You are God and I am not. You are God. And then you ask for wisdom. You ask for God to show you. You ask, the Bible says that, that if we'll let the, the word of the Lord, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. It illuminates the direction that you and I must go. Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field in which a man found and covered up and then with joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field because he says, I don't want to steal that. I want it to be mine you know, I don't want anybody to be able to have a better claim than I do on this. I don't want somebody else to come and have a, a deed to that property and then I have to give up the treasure. He says, I want to do it right. It's the parable of the great pearl. Again, he said the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who finding a pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Wisdom, the truth is like that. I live my life by this creed, by this motto. This matters more than anything else in my life. The truth. By the truth. 
and sell it not. So that's the foundation. I want to just make sure everybody understands what the truth is. Doesn't matter what society says. God's truth reigns supreme. So I take you to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Therefore, or, or, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken them unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon uh, that house, and it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. Say, it was founded on the truth. But everyone that hears the sayings of mine and don't do them, they're like a foolish man that built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell. And great was the fall thereof. If you've ever been, how many of you have ever been to the seashore or somewhere where you had sand and water and there, and there were waves and you spend a lot of time making a cool sandcastle. And then the waves come and they knock it down. Say, Pastor, where are you going with all of this? Well, it's very simple. I want you to take a look at this picture for a moment. This picture was someone I know. You may not be able to read it, but above the crook of her elbow is a tattoo that says, Nothing is sound. Nothing is sound. To which the, the, the corresponding post says this, Everything is meaningless, and that's okay. It's not a message of despair, but rather one of relief. Stop striving after the wind. Instead, laugh and love and cry and be present. You're free. Nothing in the world can fail you now. Nothing is sound. So calm down. Now, I understand kids are crazy and young people do foolish things, and we all have, but, but I, I remember reading that. Someone I know, not here in Missouri. And immediately... As I read that, my mind was drawn to the book of Ecclesiastes. You can take the picture down. Uh, my mind was drawn to the book of Ecclesiastes where the preacher, which is really what that means, the preacher says, vanity, all is vanities. Nothing matters in the world. He says, I eat and it comes out and I'm hungry again. And I sleep and I wake up tired and, and I get wisdom, but it really doesn't matter. And nothing in the world matters is what Ecclesiastes starts with. That no matter what I do, it, it just, nothing matters. Can I tell you, this is something that is prevalent, not just in this person's life, but it's prevalent in all of society right now. Nothing matters. Nothing is permanent. Nothing is sound. The word sound, and I am not a Greek scholar, but I can read a little bit and understand the lexicons. I can't pronounce it. Maybe later on I'll take a class and, and get even more smart. But the word that in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, or rather the New Testament, that, that's translated sound, and I don't mean the sound of a trumpet. I'm talking about like sound doctrine. It comes from a Greek word in which you and I pull a word called hygiene. And if you were to read the Greek word in the, in, in the English transliteration, you would see that word hygiene kind of in there. It's got a bunch of O's and U's and X's after it too, like the Greek language does. But, but it's a word we pull hygiene, meaning that, that, that it's, it's healthy. You ever walked across something, and, and I don't know if you use this word, but maybe you're walking across a board, or you're walking across a tree that's, that's over a creek, or you're walking across a bridge, and you may have heard someone say, is this sound? And you start kind of bouncing up and down on it. 
um, I love to play hockey. I haven't been able to play hockey in a long time. But growing up in my uh, neighborhood, we played hockey like crazy. We played hockey uh, at our at the gym at, at the sanctuary when back when it was called. Uh, first or uh, uh, Flow Valley Apostolic Church. We played hockey down at Hillsboro in their gym. We would get our rollerblades. I loved to play hockey. I played street hockey. We'd do it all day long. That was pretty good. And uh, but but where I lived and where my parents still live now, there's a pond. And I couldn't wait for the pond to ice over. Now I'm very scientific. I have got this down to a science. You ready? If you could have three or four days of 20 below zero, I mean, I mean uh, 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 20 degrees uh, weather, then we kind of thought the, the ice would probably hold us. And so this was our highly scientific way. Don't, don't tell my mom we did this. She would probably die right now. But this is how we tested the ice. We would go get a great big rock. And we would throw it as far as we can out. And if the rock didn't break through, we were safe. If we didn't have a rock, you got a piece of wood. And we would skate out there. I remember we'd, we'd, we'd skate out there and we got done. We'd put a water hose on it and make new ice. We loved to play hockey. Only one person ever fell through in all the years that we played, and that's because he was crazy and went over there where it was really shallow and there was already water, and he did it. But I have skated where the water was about this high over my blades, and we realized that wasn't safe. But we would do that. You would get out there, and you've seen it. It's, it's so funny, but it's how we think. You know, you skate out there and you go, What we were doing was testing whether or not it was sound. Can it hold us? I, I, I saw that picture. I saw that post. And, 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 and I'm not trying to paint that this person uh, in an, a light only on one picture and only on one tattoo. But, but when I thought about that and realized that is the, the sentiment of so many people in this world today. Nothing is sound. Nothing matters. Nothing cares. Can I tell you today that is the farthest thing from the truth. And when I read that it was like God was screaming in the back of my head. I kept hearing Paul I kept hearing Paul in 2 Timothy. He said, uh, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That word sound, again, it's a root word. The closest I could say is hygiene, but it means health. It means that they were, there's going to be a time in which people will not endure a healthy doctrine. And the, the, the understanding is they'll be okay with a sick doctrine. Yes, my friend. I wish I had the, the same voice that in this young person's life that I had in times past. I wish I could say, yes, there is something that is sound. The doctrine of the Lord is sound. And I want to take just a few more moments and I want to show you that if you'll get sound doctrine, the other parts of your life will grow healthier. And by the time we're done, I hope you see it. Let me show you what Titus said. We'll pull a lot from the book of Titus. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Says, and this is Paul speaking to Titus. Titus is a pastor or a minister of a church, an overseer of a church. And so this is a message to Titus. But I think it applies to you and I today. He said, Titus, verse 1 of chapter 2. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. I don't know how many of you here ever have a, a, a desire to ever preach the Word of God. 
I know some of you do. Brother Jared, I know you're going to Bible college and you've expressed to me a desire to preach and to be used of God. Let me tell you the same thing that Paul told Titus. Make sure when you get behind the pulpit, you speak things that are sound doctrine. It's not your opinion. It's not what your daddy said. It's not what your grandpa said. It doesn't matter anything. The thing that matters is this word of God. And when you stand on the word of God, you are standing on solid footing, on sound ground. This doctrine matters. Let me take you back to the book of Proverbs. And I I know I pulled a lot today in the morning and the night from Proverbs, but there's wisdom there. And in, in, uh, uh, when, when you begin to get that sound doctrine, you have sound wisdom. Have you ever, let me, let me help you out. Have you ever gotten into a, uh, I don't mean an argument in a bad way, a discussion. Is that a better way to put it, Brother Kozar? A discussion. Have you ever been discussing with somebody and, and, and you think you're right and then all of a sudden halfway through your discussion you realize you're wrong but you just don't want to admit it? Don't look at your wife right now. We're not talking about that. We've all done that. You read something online and you, you, you take it for the truth. And, and you're, I love it when, when online it starts throwing all these things that somebody died. And everybody starts going, you know, RIP, rip, rest in peace. They died. And then you realize it was all a hoax. But you've done posted it everywhere on your site. You've done told everybody so-and-so died and it wasn't true. I hate it when you get in the middle of something and you realize you don't have a leg to stand on. But can I tell you today that if you'll make sure your understanding of his word and his doctrine is sound, your wisdom will be sound. Which is why today I can preach from the word of God and I'm convinced that nothing can ever sway me, not because I'm smart, but because I know what I'm preaching on. And so this is what, if if you'll get sound doctrine, I'm going to take you on a journey, if you'll get sound doctrine... Healthy doctrine, doctrine that's steady, doctrine that's solid, doctrine that doesn't change, it doesn't fluctuate with the wind. That's why I can preach this same truth. It can be preached in Paul's time, it can be preached in the Civil War times, it can be preached in the 1930s, and it can be preached in the the 2016s. His word doesn't change. Now you tell me, this word of God has been around in the form that we understand it. This word of God has been around some over 1,900 years. Probably closer to 2,000. But it's been there. You're telling me that society hasn't changed? You're telling me that, 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 that people's understandings and the way they look at things hasn't changed? All you've got to do is look at the news and realize humanity's changed a lot. That's the power of the word of God. It means the same thing in Paul's preaching as it does in our preaching. And when you have sound doctrine, this is what the Bible says. Proverbs 2.6 For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And he lays up sound, there's that word again. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He's a buckler to buckler. To them that walk uprightly, he keepeth the path of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Here's the thing. How are you righteous? Follow his word. If you got the word, if you understand the doctrine, that sound doctrine that can't be moved, then he says, I'm going to preserve you. I'll let you walk in wisdom. I'll, I'll, I'll protect you, those that, that walk uprightly. 
Proverbs, again, it's, it's, it's Solomon talking to his son. He said, son, don't let wisdom depart from thine eyes. And here's that word again. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. If you'll get the doctrine right, your wisdom will be right as well. But it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. We read uh, the, the last part of it, but let me read the first part of that. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God, now, now watch this, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, a healthy mind. A mind that is not fractured. A mind that is not porous. A mind that when you get out, it breaks and you don't know what to do. But I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot have a sound mind until you get a hold of a sound doctrine. When I can follow the word of God, it just automatically allows my mind to be sound. Paul doesn't even stop there. He says, uh, uh, well, we'll get to that in a moment. If you'll get the right doctrine, if, if you'll say, I'm not going to deviate, Lord, if your word says it, I believe it. I'm going to search for it. I'm going to seek it out. I want to learn everything I can about your words. You'll have sound wisdom. You'll have a sound mind. And then watch in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. But speak thou the things. We've already read this. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So we're already making sure we start on the right foot. That the aged men, now I know he uses that and it does apply here, but later on he says, and let the women do thou likewise. So in reality, he, he's, he's not just singling out a group of people. But he said, let the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, here it is, sound in faith. I don't want a faith that every morning I wake up, I got to walk out and go, I wonder if my faith is going to support me today. I don't want a faith where I'm throwing out rocks and logs on my faith just to see if it will hold. Uh-uh. My faith is this, that if I wake up tomorrow and I got a cold, it's okay. God's got it. But if I wake up tomorrow and I'm dying of cancer, God's got that too. If I wake up tomorrow and some rich uncle passed away and I'm a millionaire, well, thanks be to God. But if I wake up tomorrow and my bank account was dried, uh, you know, the uh, 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 whatever it is, I don't have any more money, then I'm going to tell you today, my faith is sound. See, too many people don't have sound faith. Too many people, they, their faith rises and falls with the whim of life. Huh. If you'll understand what the Word of God says, I can have sound wisdom, a sound mind, and sound faith. But it doesn't even stop there. He says... Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. He says, hold fast the form of sound words, sound speech. Let me take it a step further. Go back to Titus chapter 2. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. We already read that. Then we go further, sound in faith. But if you keep going all the way, it says in, in verse 6, like men, young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern for good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, in gravity and sincerity, sound speech, which cannot be condemned. That is, he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. The Bible speaks a whole lot about 
how we talk, what we say, what we, what we use this tongue to do. James uh, puts a whole chapter or two about the power of the tongue. But you want to know how to make sure what you say is okay and you're not hurting anyone and you're not condemning anyone and you're not gossiping? It's really simple. Make sure your speech is sound, healthy speech, speech that's steadfast. How do you do that? You go back to sound doctrine. See, it's amazing. You read the Word of God, He'll help you not gossip. You read the Word of God, He'll tell you you don't, you, 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 you don't you know, let your yeas be yea and your nays be nay. Just the Word of God. And the last thing is found in Proverbs chapter 14. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. A sound heart is the life of the, fre- of the flesh. Did you catch all that? Sound doctrine. Sound wisdom. Sound mind. Sound faith. Sound speech. Sound heart. To which I respond to the one that said, nothing in this world is sound. I disagree. There are things that are unmovable. It starts with the word of God. But when you let that unmovable, unchangeable word of God get implanted in your heart, he puts you on a sound path of wisdom and understanding. I I take it out of context, and I know that. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, they were having a problem with with the gift of tongues, not the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues when someone receives the Holy Ghost, but the gift of tongues that comes later. And they, they had a whole lot of problems in the Corinthian church, and Paul spent two whole books talking about it. They were having problems when they'd come up. Instead of letting the pastor preach, people just start hollering out and trying to preach over the preacher and, and speak in tongues, and, and Paul had to kind of handle that. But he uses a, an illustration that, I don't think he would, I think he'd be okay if I pull it out of the context where it is. But he says, you know, in fact, I just read it a couple days ago in my Bible reading. I was reading in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, I think it was, maybe Numbers, but when all of the children of Israel were gathered around, they were encamped around there in the wilderness, there would be a moment that, I mean, you got, well, you had over 600 men not counting the kids and the women, not counting the slaves, not counting the, those that came with them that are not really part of the children of Israel, but they're, they're, they're sojourners and get all this. And So it wasn't like you get up and say, let's go, let's go to church, let's go. It wasn't, that, that's not, you're, you're having to, to get up a couple million people. And so what they had is they, they instituted a series of trumpets. You can read about it, I believe it's in Deuteronomy. A certain number of blasts would mean everybody get up and we're going to get moving there was another sound another series of blasts that meant hey get your, your weapons there's, there's an enemy coming let's protect ourselves another series of blasts or sounds on that trumpet would call people to worship and I believe Paul pulls from that and he talks about making sure you have a certain sound we don't, we don't think in terms of this in warfare now wars are fought with unmanned drones and you don't even see the enemy that you're fighting it seems it's become very distant it's almost like playing a, 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 a game you know a, a, what do you call those things video game I'm having trouble with that but, but go back to the civil war 
where, where men would line up a hundred yards from each other and they would fire. And, and the only way, they didn't have walkie-talkies and radios. They would use flags, but that could get very difficult. And so they would sound trumpets. The reason we play Reveille in the morning, it's not because it's tradition. It's because that's how they woke everybody up. But they could play a trumpet and that, that blast of that bugle would send them on a charge. But that same bugle could play another noise and it would cause them to retreat. And there's documented cases where the wrong sound went out. And they retreated when they should have went ahead. Or they went ahead when they should have retreated. And so Paul, in talking about that, he says, listen, making sure that it's a certain sound. If I could pull from that, I would tell you today... You better be careful what you are listening to. Make sure that you're listening to a sound doctrine. A sound word. Not, not buffeted about with the winds of change and doctrine. Not waking up this morning and saying, am I going to live for God and go to bed saying, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. No, no. Stand fast. Stand firm. Stand unmovable knowing that the things of God don't change. And again I answer. The ones that say nothing in this world is sound. My friend, you've missed the boat. Life with God is sure and amen. Would you stand today?